Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Job, chapters 35 through 37, from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org plan. The Book of Job, Chapter 35 Introduction The young Elihu is offended that Job accuses God of wrongdoing. He's also offended that Job would question the need to obey God, asking, what's in it for me? After all, what's in it for God? Is God harmed by Job's disobedience or helped by Job's righteousness? How does Job have any right to demand a personal appearance from God? In this chapter, Elihu reminds Job of God's justice. Chapter 35 Moreover, Elihu answered, Do you think this to be your right? Or do you say my righteousness is more than God's, that you ask? What advantage will it be to you? What profit will I have more than if I had sinned? I will answer you, and your companions with you. Look to the skies and see. See the skies which are higher than you. If you have sinned, what effect do you have against him? If your transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness may hurt a man as you are, and your righteousness may profit a son of man. By reason of the multitude of oppressions, they cry out. They cry for help by reason of the arm of the mighty. But no one says, Where is God my Maker, who gives songs in the night, who teaches us more than the animals of the earth, and makes us wiser than the birds of the sky? There they cry, but no one answers, because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not hear an empty cry, neither will the Almighty regard it. How much less when you say you don't see him, the cause is before him, and you wait for him. But now, because he has not visited in his anger, neither does he greatly regard arrogance. Therefore, Job opens his mouth with empty talk, and he multiplies words without knowledge. Elihu argues that we owe our loyalty to God simply because he created us and gave us human intelligence. But no one says, where is God my maker who gives songs in the night, who teaches us more than the animals of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the sky? If we don't actively seek our creator in our daily lives, then why should we be surprised when we don't see his presence? The Book of Job, Chapter 36, Introduction Having rebuked Job for passing judgment on God, 
Elihu continues by describing in great detail how God uses justice to teach both the mighty and the afflicted. When you find yourself suffering, it is far better to seek instruction from God than to complain about his unfairness toward yourself and others. Does God allow the wicked to get away with their evil deeds? That's not your business. Don't be distracted by your own ignorance. Focus on what God is teaching you in that moment. And remember that he operates on a much larger scale than you think. Consider the weather, for example. In this chapter, Elihu shows God's justice and power. Chapter 36 Elihu also continued and said, Bear with me a little, and I will show you, for I still have something to say on God's behalf. I will get my knowledge from afar and will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Behold, God is mighty and doesn't despise anyone. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He doesn't preserve the life of the wicked, but gives justice to the afflicted. He doesn't withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but with kings on the throne, he sets them forever and they are exalted. If they are bound in fetters and are taken in the cords of afflictions, then he shows them their work and their transgressions, that they have behaved themselves proudly. He also opens their ears to instruction and commands that they return from iniquity. If they listen and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they don't listen, they will perish by the sword. They will die without knowledge. But those who are godless in heart lay up anger. They don't cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth. Their life perishes among the unclean. He delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ear in oppression. Yes, he would have allured you out of distress into a wide place where there is no restriction. That which is set on your table would be full of fatness. But you are full of the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. Don't let riches entice you to wrath. Neither let the great size of a bribe turn you aside. Would your wealth sustain you in distress or all the might of your strength? Don't desire the night when people are cut off in their place. Take heed. Don't regard iniquity. For you have chosen this rather than affliction. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed his way for him? Or who can say, you have committed unrighteousness? 
Remember that you magnify his work about which men have sung. All men have looked on it. Man sees it afar off. Behold, God is great, and we don't know him. The number of his years is unsearchable, for he draws up the drops of water which distill in rain from his vapor, which the skies pour down and which drop on man abundantly. Indeed, can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds and the thunderings of his pavilion? Behold, he spreads his light around him. He covers the bottom of the sea. For by these he judges the people. He gives food in abundance. He covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. Its noise tells about him and the livestock also concerning the storm that comes up. It's surprising how clearly Elihu makes the case for God in this chapter. If shyness slowed down his tongue earlier, that shyness is now gone. Elihu explains with perfect clarity that the reason we should turn to God is so that he can grant us wisdom. Even greater than justice is wisdom. The curse of the wicked is that they die without wisdom. Why is wisdom so important? Because it is the only thing we can take with us beyond the grave. As for Elihu, this uncanny knowledge must come from somewhere. Either God put words into Elihu's mouth without Elihu having any idea what he was talking about, or perhaps Elihu, like the adversary, had come from going back and forth in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And as for God, Behold, God is great, and we don't know him. The number of his years is unsearchable. For he draws up the drops of water, which distill in rain from his vapor, which the skies pour down, and which drop on man abundantly. Indeed, can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds and the thunderings of his pavilion? Behold, he spreads his light around him, he covers the bottom of the sea, for by these he judges the people. He gives food in abundance. He covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. The Book of Job, Chapter 37, Introduction After educating Job and his friends about the justice and majesty of God, Elihu concludes his monologue by introducing God himself as Yahweh prepares his own entrance in the presence of all who stand before him. As Elihu describes the frightening phenomena preceding God's appearance, take a moment to follow along with your mind's eye. These things are happening as Elihu speaks, because God is in control of all. In this chapter, Elihu proclaims God's majesty. Chapter 37 Yes, at this my heart trembles and is moved out of its place. Hear, oh hear the noise of his voice, the sound that goes out of his mouth. He sends it out under the whole sky and his lightning to the ends of the earth. After it, 
a voice roars. He thunders with the voice of his majesty. He doesn't hold back anything when his voice is heard. God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things which we can't comprehend. For he says to the snow, fall on the earth. Likewise to the shower of rain and to the showers of his mighty rain. He seals up the hand of every man that all men whom he has made may know it. Then the animals take cover and remain in their dens. Out of its room comes the storm and cold out of the north. By the breath of God, ice is given and the width of the waters is frozen. Yes, he loads the thick cloud with moisture. He spreads abroad the cloud of his lightning. It is turned around by his guidance that they may do whatever he commands them on the surface of the habitable world, whether it is for correction or for his land or for loving kindness that he causes it to come. Listen to this, Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know how God controls them? and causes the lightning of his cloud to shine. Do you know the workings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? You, whose clothing is warm when the earth is still by reason of the south wind, can you, with him, spread out the sky which is strong as a cast metal mirror? Teach us what we will tell him. For we can't make our case by reason of darkness. Will it be told him that I would speak? Or should a man wish that he were swallowed up? Now men don't see the light which is bright in the skies, but the wind passes and clears them. Out of the north comes golden splendor. With God is awesome majesty. We can't reach the Almighty. He is exalted in power. In justice and great righteousness, he will not oppress. Therefore men revere him. He doesn't regard any who are wise of heart. In the middle of this tempest, which seems to be forming at the young philosopher's bidding, Elihu warns Job, listen to this, Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. When we add together the number of the letters of Job's name, Aleph Yod Vav Beth, we get 19. This is also the number of Heva, Eve, wife of Adam and mother of all the living. Hmm. Fascinating. Might this be a hint that the life of Job is an incarnation of Eve. If this is the case, that Job is an incarnation of the soul of Eve, then might a different character in this narrative be the current incarnation of Adam, the Christ soul. There would really be only one candidate other than Job himself, and that would be our current speaker, Elihu, whose name means he is my God. 
This would certainly explain Elihu's preternatural knowledge about God's activities both here and abroad. This would leave one more critical question about the Job narrative. Who was the adversary challenging God about Job's righteousness in the first two chapters? Might Elihu be the Satan, the one who came before God from going back and forth in the earth and from walking up and down in it? This would certainly explain Elihu's reluctance to speak after the conclusion of Job's argument, since Elihu would have felt tremendous guilt from knowing that he bore responsibility for Job's awful, awful trial. This would also elevate Job's role considerably, since it would mean that Job really did suffer through all of his trials without knowing anything about Satan's challenge and would also mean that God accepted this adversary's challenge knowing that Job possessed the fortitude of spirit to answer this challenge faithfully. Even though the horrifying circumstances of this test had left Job embittered and doubting God's ultimate justice on earth. It would also cast Elihu as the narrator of this story, dictating to Moses in Egypt this beautiful poem about seeking faith during life's darkest moments, honoring the life of Job and answering his cry from chapter 19. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. At last, all the puzzle pieces have fallen into place. God chooses this moment to make a direct appearance to Job and his companions, and his mode of travel involves a light so bright that men mistake it for the sun. Now, men don't see the light which is bright in the skies, but the wind passes and clears them out of the north comes golden splendor, with God is awesome majesty. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive anyone who is indebted to us. Bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates and join us for our next episode, where we will hear from Yahweh himself in Job chapters 38 to 39, out of the whirlwind. So tell me, God, what do you have to say for yourself? This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless.